Welcome to Retro Enjoy your voyage. Welcome to Retro Groove. I'm Adam. And I'm Liam. And this is a podcast where we talk about music that stands the test of time, the albums and artists that have shaped and reshaped the sonic landscape, as well as covering new music from those artists. Happy episode 25. Yeah. It's a big milestone. Mm -hmm. Um, Not taking it lightly. And this week we are going to talk about some of our favorite 25 million selling albums yeah other milestones right like it's our milestone let's look at uh, some milestones that are similar for other artists yeah it's because we'll eventually get to 25 million episodes i think yeah and 25 million listeners (laughs) there you go exactly right um but we're gonna we're gonna have fun with it um but uh just want to take a quick moment to thank uh, all of you listeners for sticking with us for 25 episodes. It's been about a year at this mm-hmm. point. Um, and it's, we don't take it lightly. We appreciate all of you and, uh, hope that you, uh, can stick with us through 25 more and then hopefully, you know, on from there. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I know I've had a lot of fun. We've gone through some changes. There's probably going to be more changes, uh, coming up ahead, you know, growing things change and changing things grow or however they say it. (laughs) Um, it's just, uh, it's just part of uh, the creative process and, and we're going to reevaluate some things over the summer and, uh, we'll see what happens. Cool. Um, but, uh, Liam, you know, we've, we've had a lot of stuff going on here. How have you been doing and what's going on, uh, with you recently? I'm pretty good. Uh, you know, uh, summer's kind of officially kicked off now, right? So yeah. out and about, got the speakers playing outside, got some yacht rock cranking. That nice. Nice, sweet 70s soft rock of bread and Starbuck and ambrosia, <laughs> you know? Like Taylor made for summertime. That's, oh man, it feels so good. I mean, like I try to put that, I've tried to put it on when it's cold outside and it's still it fine, work. but. It's not the same. I, I'm not like cooking to that music too much. I I need it uh, cold drink in my hand, pool, beach, whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it it feels good to bust those uh, those songs out. How about you? For sure. Um, I mean, so obviously with the news and everything, it's it's been a little bit crazy mm-hmm. um, with the uh, Uvalde um, incident, and you know we've been. It, it just hits a little bit closer, unfortunately, to home. I mean, number one, literally, with it happening a little bit less hey, than three Texas. hours away from me. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. right down the highway. Um, and just the fact that, you know, I was, we were taking our fifth grader out to lunch after her elementary school graduation oh, as man. it was happening. You know what I mean? Oh. So that's just um, that's unfortunately been on the, the forefront of our minds, 
for, yeah. for the past week. And it's, it's been a little rough. Um, but you know, we're, we're making do and, and trying to see if there's anything that we can do, uh, to help if possible, but you know, just kind of spending a lot of time with the kids and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we, we talked to the oldest about what happened and, um, that was, that was a tough conversation. And, but other than that, honestly, like we've just been spending a lot of family time, uh, doing as much with the kids as possible. So it's almost to the point that I I feel a little bit unprepared for this episode. Usually I do a lot more prep work. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's just, there's just been so much more time spent together and, less time on the phone and, and playing video games and more time just, you know, doing the random mundane stuff together and, and making the best of, of every day. So hopefully we can all move forward and do that a little bit more. And, um, uh, hopefully some, some good comes out of all of this some, some way, somehow, and that's the best that we can hope for. Um, but yeah, we don't need to dwell on that too much. Thankfully we, uh, have other pursuits and things that we want to focus on, mm-hmm. um, rightly so. So I've, uh, got some, some kind of creative projects brewing and hopefully can reveal those, uh, kind of soon. Cool, um, and haven't done a lot of music listening, um, mainly because uh, early last week, uh, before school let out, and and then you know the, all the the news broke out and everything, um, my car is now in the body shop. Mm. I've been I've been pushing off some um, repair work on some heavy hail damage that happened um, from a lo- big storm in April of last year. And, you know, with it was it's just first of all, there were so many other people that had damage to their vehicles. It um, it took months to just even get like an appointment. Uh, And then at that point, the kids were in school. So it was like, how am I going to be without my car for three or four weeks Mm, with the kids? And that's not going to work. I don't know how you do it. Yeah, it's impossible. I guess that's how they end up selling you on the like the rental reimbursement coverage, Ooh, <laughs> which we right. of course didn't have because that would have solved the problem, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I could be an insurance salesman now with all the research I've done and the, the <laughs> things that I lear- learned, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but surprisingly, it, it kind of surprised me how little music I've been listening to without having the car. Right. I've just been doing what I've been able to do, you know, obviously ordering a lot more, um, you know, curbsides or mm-hmm. like deliveries to the house for groceries and, and food and things like that. Um, but yeah, without the kind of constant driving around and just spending more time inside and like working in the backyard and stuff like that, not nearly as much music. It's yeah. like, I, it, it, it really made me think about, man, like the car is one of my major music machines. I know we love our vinyl records and everything, but I'm in my car a heck of a lot more than sitting in front of my turntable and speakers. Exactly. Which which I love doing, but it's like it's it's harder to find the time to do that these days. Right. So um yeah, I have been listening to some stuff. Uh like I mentioned last week, uh I was listening to the uh Blonde Redhead album from uh 
I believe it was 99 or 2000. Um, and then I got back into the album that came out after that misery is a butterfly. And I was just like, man, they just took what they did on the prior album and just doubled down on it. And after that, they went like, like really dream pop with it, which isn't bad. It's just Mm kind of different for them. Um, but that misery is a butterfly album. I feel like it's one of, one of those just perfect early two thousands, um, just landmark albums for me. And, uh, so I've been listening to that, uh, quite a bit. Um, and then the other thing, this was brought on by Dan mentioning it in the discord. Oh yeah. Um, I saw but that. Dan, Dan is a huge super furry animals fan. And, uh, I didn't so much get into them, but somehow I ended up getting into, their one album that they put out that is entirely in Welsh. And <laughs> yeah, so, so it's, a, they're a Welsh band, Okay, but you know, their albums primarily are in English. Um, I, I don't know the backstory behind it. It was just maybe something they just had decided they wanted to do, sure. but they put, put out an album entirely in Welsh which is a a relatively unusual language. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't even know how to pronounce it. The album is titled, I guess it's one word, but it's spelled M-W-N-G. That's the name of the album. And it just, to me, has always been much more like haunting and memorable than kind of their other stuff, which is more, more kind of just straightforward indie rock pop to me. Uh, They've always been kind of a little bit on the... Um, weird, quirky side of things, which is great. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Um, but this album just seems to have a lot more introspective and serious moments and a more melancholy tone to it. So that one really hit me. Um, it was also right at the perfect time too, right around that same early 2000s time. Um, so I've, I've, I got back into that thanks to Dan reminding me of it. Um but that, that's really it. Haven't been able to get to the record shop without a vehicle, so I haven't yeah, made any true. purchases. You're not getting any curbside vinyl? No, I have not done that. <laughs> and I don't know if that's a thing. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you could order, you know, there's apps where yeah. you can order pretty much anything. But that's true. Um, the, the premium on that vinyl is expensive enough as it is. So, you know, you order a burger that should cost you 10 or 15 bucks and you end up with a $40 bill anyway. (laughs) So a vinyl, a $40 vinyl record might end up costing me 80 bucks. So I'll just, I'll wait (laughs) until I can go and and look it up in person. Um, what about you? Well, so my stuff this week is interesting because it's not, um, you know, I listen to a bunch of stuff, but it's a lot of it's inspired by like music adjacent stuff. So, Mm -hmm. um, I will periodically, I'm not a big fashion shoe clothing guy, really, but I'll periodically check the van store just to see what cool stuff they have popping up. Oh, gotcha. Um, And I haven't had slip-ons in forever. I've been a high tops guy, but they did a partnership. It's going on right now with Daniel Johnston uh, or a foundation that was created yeah, in his oh, name with and, his and honor. Yeah. And oh. it's all his artwork. It's a, like a mental health organization that they partnered with that is like from his 
estate or whatever. Right. Uh, and so it features all of his artwork. And the slip-ons were just nasty, dude. That's was, they awesome. They were so cool. Um and again, I was like kind of in the market for some slip-ons and I love Daniel. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm I'm not hyper well-versed uh, in all of his stuff, but know it really well and appreciate it really well and actually got to like work and meet with the guy a little bit oh, uh, before he passed back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just hit me right. It's for a good cause, like everything aligned. Um, but again, like buying these shoes... I drove to the store to pick him up and I listened to him and I was like, man, that's cool. He's so crazy. Like such a unique songwriter, like very like, like not concerned with rhyming stuff. It was really from the heart. It was just like what he was feeling. And you know, the people describe it as childlike and, just whimsical in some ways. It's really just this like bleeding heart of whatever was going on inside that guy. Yeah. Um, and wrote gorgeous melodies, like simple, gorgeous melodies to go along with these mm-hmm. thoughts that he had. Um, so I, I feel like um, I have with him sometimes the same thing I used to have and, and still sometimes have with Connor Oberst where it's like, there's some technical things that uh, I have a harder time gelling with sometimes, like right. the recording quality or the pitch or whatever. But right, if you can right, kind of exactly. like, you set aside like your technical brain and just kind of meld with what's going on there. Um, it's really something special. Yeah, I've um, even had that with like Bob Dylan. Like earlier mm, on in oh my yeah, life, same. I would be like, "Oh my god, how can you listen to this?" Yeah, <laughs> and it took it took time to really just get past that aspect of it. And then it's like, Oh, Oh, okay. I, I kind of get it now. <laughs> I got it. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's almost like a point of entry where it's like, okay, if you can get past this, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the on pitch singing might not be there. Yeah. Uh, or, or whatever the case may the cassette be. Cassette recording. Yeah. yeah. Just, yeah. And, um, you, but it opens up, if you can get past it, it opens up kind of this, garden of amazing uh emotive work so yeah. I, I totally know what you're talking about and i have to i'm I'm by law required to know um a bunch yeah, about daniel johnston yeah. as an austinite <laughs> so yeah i mean his artwork is plastered on our buildings so yeah. Yeah, yeah um so so did you get what what was the uh what were the the pair of shoes that you ended up getting it's like this um series it's not checkerboarded it's but it looks like it's a it looks like a bunch of posters basically that are all kind of lined up in rectangles so it's oh, just like this okay spread of uh stuff on the slip-on shoes they're okay really so cool. it's a yeah, bunch yeah, yeah. of pieces of his artwork exactly kind of laid yeah. out okay and that's like really the neat inside of the soul is also like a different piece of artwork and it's really really cool it's like a muted kind of blue and white offset really uh, thing but there's a bunch of stuff um they got like shirts and pants and sweatshirts all of his stuff um and again all benefiting a mental health uh foundation and yeah that's awesome it's really it's a cool line you know uh not sponsored by vans but uh you know they put out good stuff and they do cool partnerships really creative stuff and uh and i dig it um really neat the other thing is uh, i've been reading I'm, i'm nearly done with it i've i've been like really in a reading space 
lately for whatever yeah. reason. Like that's kind of calming me and taking like it's scratching that itch more than games or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so John Darnell uh, wrote a third book that I've been reading. And again, it's just like he's gotten so great. He's the lead singer of the Mountain Goats. Yeah. He's gotten so great at honing that side of his storytelling and craft where each book has gotten better the first book was a little weird a little off like hard to follow second book was pretty solid and this one's just Mm -hmm. fantastic it's so this is fiction novels we're talking about all fiction yeah he's been writing straight fiction really Um, interesting okay and it's like a twisted kind of crime horror story um but not just over the plate um it's it's super insightful. The characters are are jumping off the page. Um, and again, it just reminded me of how great of a storyteller he is in his music. And yeah. so like I'm reading this and then I'm throwing his music on when I'm walking around or in the car. Cause I'm just in his, like I'm mm-hmm. kind of letting him steer me a little bit. That's really interesting. Um, so have yeah. you noticed any like b- between reading his fiction work and mm-hmm. listening to his lyrics are you noticing any like similarities in, I don't know, language or like imagery, things like that? Is it, is it, does it connect in any way? Yeah. He just paints pictures really well. Um, he, he can go tangential, but it ties in so nicely that, mm-hmm. um, it never takes you too long, but it takes you just long enough. Like he'll start a chapter, talking about something that is wholly unrelated to what you were just reading the chapter before. And then by the third paragraph, you know how it's yeah, tapped you bring, it back, back in. in. Gotcha. Yeah, exactly. Um, and his songs can often do that. Like he'll, he'll be singing about something and then he'll paint this other scene and then it'll kind of tie in. Really cool. Um, so yeah, so he's, he's just, he is very good at kind of transporting you and, 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 painting pictures for you. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, last thing is I went to go see Haim and yes. they, played, uh, they played MSG. I don't think I talked about this. It was like right around the time we did the last episode. I don't think we talked about this, but they you put a um, picture up in the discord. I did. Yeah. They, you know, it was MSG. It's a big thing. They sold it out. Um, nice. And man, I, just the thing I wanted to say, like, first of all, they've got that like 80s, um, kind of heart vibe, but also some Fleetwood Mac, but also like current pop, mm-hmm. like uh, sensibility all blended into one. Their stage presence is bananas. Yeah, they're and like great on stage. Mm-hmm. So good, man. And like play their instruments so well. Great songwriters, singers, great performers. So engaging, fun little, not even like skit things necessarily, but like just very playful, well-crafted. Just being siblings on stage. Yeah, <laughs> it was fun. And even like the corny uh, or potentially corny, I should say, crowd work of like, hey, you, this side needs to be louder than that side or something where usually I roll my eyes. Uh-huh. Um, it was done in a way where it was super fun. It yeah. was like, I again, maybe I was able to just allow myself to have that fun. So that could be more of a me thing. Uh, it really depends. Like sometimes it just feels and seems so forced 
Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it, there's a very specific talent of <clears throat> no matter what the medium is of reading the room. And you, you got to have to know, like, as, if you do it at every single show, it's going to bomb at some point. So you can't mm-hmm. you have to be able to. OK, is this is this crowd going to go with this or is this going to fall flat? You know what I mean? Yeah. So and you, you've seen, you've been to those shows where mm-hmm. it falls flat and it just every, it makes everybody feel awkward. <laughs> yeah, it's just interesting because I remember seeing them back ages ago around South by Southwest in Austin mm-hmm. and they still had great stage presence. It was just this like scrappier fun time like hey we're a ragtag bunch of sisters and we're gonna rock your faces off in a small club thing mm-hmm. and to see them scale that in a in That's a way awesome. where they're still engaged but also the presentation is befitting of a bigger arena yeah i mean that's just you see people and you're like you're stars you just i yep. you figured it out you just have some kind of muscle in you that can do this job of being a rock star yeah yep they got it for sure um and so i just it made me go back like i knew a bunch of the songs but it was definitely a concert that i went into where i knew six or seven songs really well i knew i recognized a few others by passing listen on their albums and then there were a bunch where i'm like yeah i couldn't tell you what album this was on i'm not sure um but i like those shows especially right now i don't like the there's been times when I want to go and I'm like, I need to hear the songs. Like I go yeah. in there and I've got a hit list and I, I'm like, I got to hear this. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of like going in and show. not having, <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of like going in and not having any expectations. Uh, I'm going to go see Phoebe Bridgers in oh, nice. a couple weeks and I'm concerned that I'm going to walk in with expectations. I'm trying to not. Yeah, that's um, hard. I want to go in and just cold, have a beautiful experience Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm afraid I'm going to sit there and be like, I need to hear funeral or whatever, you know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's going to be a great show no matter what. So that's awesome. Cool. Awesome. Um, a uh, little bit of news. Yeah. Let's talk, talk about, about it. Yeah. So um, you were talking about stranger things before we started recording today. Yeah. So we, um, especially not having um, a vehicle and wanting to just, you know, kind of spend more time together. Um, Haven't started Obi-Wan yet, but we are almost done with the first, you know, drop of the Stranger Things season four. Mm -hmm. And um, thanks to the, uh, well, I don't want to spoil anything, but there's a, there's a kind of an entire plot point around this song uh, running up that hill by Kate Bush that, has now 37 years later hit number one. She has a number one single thanks wow. to Stranger Things. <laughs> so crazy, dude. I mean, we talk about it's the crazy. impact that TikTok has, but like media can just really. I remember this with American Idol too. Like, if someone would perform a cover on American Idol and it would just oh, yeah. rock it, it would up go the charts. number one. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they ever did a Kate Bush song, you know, like. Not that I, yeah. no, yeah. not that I followed it too closely, but I don't think yeah. that would have been, you know. Yeah. something that they would do on a show that big. Um, but yeah, you know, initially, um, in 1985, uh, it hit number three on the UK charts and it made the billboard top 40, but never hit number one until this week. <laughs> so congrats to Kate, but certainly well-deserved. Um, yeah. one of the, one of the more under, um, 
I shouldn't say underrated, but more, more, more underappreciated artists of the eighties. And yeah, so, I feel like sh- she's someone that everybody cites and points to and says mm-hmm. like, she is very influential so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like never, like you said, never had that number one, never maybe had that massive public yeah. moment. I mean, that yeah. was her biggest, really, that, that was probably her biggest hit and her, and her biggest claim to fame, so to speak. Um, yeah. but you know, nice to, to, for her to get the recognition. It is really, really well implemented in the show. I'll just say that. Uh, um, yeah, hopefully going to finish, finish it tonight, but you got, you have to watch season three first, man. Yeah, I haven't done that. I dropped off after they killed, uh, what's his face? Um, Sean Astin, he's <sighs> a goonie. Like you kill a goonie. Uh, it's going to blow back on me. Sorry. That's a spoiler too. Shoot. If somebody didn't watch well, the that, second you know, season. <laughs> yeah um it's been long enough i guess so yeah <laughs> for uh, that one yeah so i'm definitely gonna do it it's just not um it's a show that my i don't think i'm getting my wife back on board with like it got oh. too intense for her so it's got to be a me show i did just finish ozark which also by the way had some killer hip-hop in it oh. and uh, did you watch ozark at all I started like the first couple of episodes and then like something mm-hmm. else ha- happened and it's like I, I was going to have to go back and restart it. So it's it's all like on my long list of things to eventually yeah. go back to. So it was that was my situation, too. And it's definitely one of those things where when they announced the end, I was like, OK, now I can now you can do it. Yeah. And so I watched it all. Um, very good little intense at times a little too break breaking bad for me and that's not my scene but Mm -hmm. there were enough people to cheer for in it where it carried me through um but uh there's a lot of moments especially when some of the characters is is this family uh one of the families look within it that's young and they're really into hip-hop there's a lot of like nas and wu-tang and stuff um that they're just listening to as they're driving around it's it's scored really cool the music direction is really neat um but dude there's this moment i freaked out and it was like 12 o'clock at night and i yipped in my living room and i I, (laughs) sure i woke up the family um one of the characters was like leaving this late night restaurant and she's like working through this tough decision that she's about to make. And she's listening to Nas and bumps into killer Mike. Uh, And he is sitting there with some people and she like walks by him and then like realizes who it is. And she, she backs up and goes up and she's just like, Man, I just had to tell you. Like she fans out. Oh my god! As the character on Killer Mike playing himself, uh-huh. and and he's like really gracious about it, and he's like, "What are you listening to right now?" And she like he takes her earbud. He does the the thing that we all yeah. did with the CD wallets or whatever. Is just uh-huh. like listening, and then they start talking about Nas for like a minute or two about like oh, writing it, writing Ill Manic or whatever. And mm-hmm. I'm like. This is such a weird non sequitur in this moment, but it also is this like I want to know who did the music direction for this and who thought mm-hmm. let's get Killer Mike in here, let's talk about some classic hip hop and how that correlates to like people striving to come up because that's part of what the show mm-hmm. is all about is like that drive to make money and get successful to get to that next level and what you'll do yeah. to get there 
And I'm like, man, what a crazy side story to, or like little moment to just loop in, but it hit, you know, and it was I just, just cool love stuff like Mike. that. Yeah. Of course, as a music fan, I love yeah. seeing those tangents of, you know, them talking about little or not necessarily so little, but just trivia music, uh, history and things like that. It just, I don't know. It, 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 it's so immersive for me because that's, mm-hmm. Oh, that's what I do. Like when I, <laughs> I'll, I'll, when I make a connection with somebody about something musically, we're going to go down that rabbit hole right here and now, you know what I mean? So exactly. I like um, that a lot. It was such a cool moment. Um, so yeah, so I think I'll do stranger things. That's just gotta be like a me time show. Yeah. And I'm probably going to have to go back and uh, revisit it uh, from the start again. But have they said when it's ending? Or are they? is it still like open-ended? Because these kids are well, getting old, man. Yes. So I do know that. So they dropped. They're doing it a little bit differently this time. They dropped like the first half of season four. Mm-hmm. And then the second half of season four drops later this summer. I believe oh, okay. July, July, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then they did announce that it's going to end at season five. Okay. So, so after this, there's one more season. Um, cause yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it's interesting because you do kind of get to watch these kids grow up. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's never, I mean, being a preteen and a teenager is just awkward by its very nature. So there's that aspect of it, but you know, it's never awkward in the sense of like the story because, you know, you're seeing them in middle school, you're seeing them go through the awkwardness of entering high school and what those in those school relationships look like. Mm -hmm. And they, they kind of just weave it into the story, which is great. Um, but yeah, eventually, you know, what are we going to do? Follow them to college that, that starts to get a little bit like, okay, (laughs) (laughs) it starts to get like saved by the bell, the college years. And it's just (laughs) like, come on, like what, (laughs) what are we doing here? Really? Um, so yeah, all great things must come to an end. And, Honestly, like I like I mentioned um, before we started recording, uh, that's a show that hit so consistently for me that I've just kept like waiting for it to drop off in quality or like jump the shark in one way or the other, and it just hasn't. It's been so consistent, so I'm really really glad they're ending it mm-hmm. because I wanted to end on a high note and like yeah. not turn into Lost or something something like some situation like that. Yeah, just perpetually trying to keep something going or yeah, like other people like, okay, get okay, okay. Yeah, production <laughs> conflicts that screw up the story. Yep. Yeah. Um, there's a couple things that are coming up that I yeah. just wanted to flag that are pretty neat. Um, so she and him announced uh, a new album. It's a Brian Wilson tribute album, which is oh, that's pretty cool. cool. Yeah, and, actually, and they got Brian to feature on it too wow. i guess he's actually a big fan of she and him and oh. they've done some stuff together um and so they were working on one of the songs on the album and i guess zoe was just like well i 
can't sing this one. It's just, I can't, it doesn't work for me. Like mm-hmm. I'm not, I, it has to be on there, it, uh, but I can't do it. And M Ward was like, well, I can't do it. <laughs> and so they reached yeah. out to Brian and he knew about the project and he's like, all right, I'll, I'll do this one with you guys. I'll do it. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> so crazy. So it'll be really cool. That's out in July. Um, that's July uh, 22nd. Mm-hmm. Um, new soccer mommy coming up. Love her going to be really cool there's already a couple songs floating around out there oh cool um, i'll need to listen so yeah she's great um and then alanis is putting out a new album but it's not what you think it might be um during covid she really got into meditation you know she's a big time mom and she's into like holistic stuff and mm-hmm. so she uh created a meditation album that's going to be on all dsps streaming platforms whatever and it's also going to be on the com app um okay i don't know what that's going to sound like yeah like (laughs) alanis can be like really jarring and beautifully like punch you in the gut right and that does not speak uh meditation to me but no no she's super insightful and creative and so i'm sure i'm down to check it out you know, and I not in a bad way. It's just her. She, no. she has one of those voices that cuts through the mix and demands attention. So exactly. it just kind of seems like the opposite of meditative to me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we'll see. Who knows? Um, and then I, we're going to talk Pink Floyd a little bit on the B side, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, it sounds like they're going to be the next one. I know we just heard that justin timberlake sold his catalog we've talked about catalog sales oh, for big big bucks but like you know they talked uh i think it was dylan sold his for 300 plus million oh, springsteen God. sold him his for 500 million um and again just as a precursor to the b-side i mean pink floyd to sell their catalog they have two or three of the greatest selling albums of all time, of all time. Yep. So it, nothing has been said yet, but there's a lot of speculation. Uh, like there's apparently they've been having conversations and, and reached out and are negotiating selling the catalog. And so I'd assume there's quite the bidding war. I also know that those guys don't really get along necessarily. I think. Oh, really? Yeah. I, well, Oh, of so course. Well, the two it, of them, they, David and Nick, I think, are fine. They just did something for Ukraine, right? Um, but uh, but no, Roger, I mean, he sued them for the use of the name. Yeah, they don't get along stuff. very so, well at all. Dude. I don't know who's <laughs> making the money off of that catalog sale. Like, that seems like a legal disaster. So I'm interested to oh, read about God. it after the fact. Yeah, after the dust settles. Yeah, after the My dust goodness. settles. Um, you want to hit some uh, birthdays and then play a game? Yeah, we got a few birthdays. Um and then we'll see what if we have time for the the game yeah. on on side A. Um, but June third, nineteen forty two, Curtis Mayfield um, needs no further Mm-mm. explanation. Um, happy birthday to Curtis! I believe we lost him, and he'd be turning eighty. But wow. um, I think we lost him in ninety nine. Yeah, something around there. Memories, if memory serves. Mm-hmm. Um, June 3rd, 1964, Carrie King, guitarist for Slayer. Uh, June 3rd, 1965, Mike Gordon, bassist and multi-instrumentalist for Fish. Man, yeah. And then I, June, I mean, like, are you a Fish guy? We've talked about this, right? No, I mean, not really. I was a little bit in, yeah. in high school. 
but um, that may have been more like the crowd I was hanging out with. I, mm-hmm. I never went to a fish show or anything like that, but that's a yeah. lifestyle at this point. It seems like a fish show is what's supposed to do it. I've been to a few and it, I'm, I'm going to try again, I think. like Because I've been in such a live music space, I feel like I need to give it another try. I've seen them two or three times and it's never clicked, but maybe this will be it. Yeah, I'm just, me personally, I'm just not into the jam band thing anymore. Yeah. I, w- I was at one point, but yeah, it doesn't, it's just not there for me at this chapter of my life. But who knows yeah. what'll end up happening. We go in like, and out of taste with certain things. Yeah, I feel like with them, you almost need to, like, you need to do the research and understand what's happening, which I haven't done. So like the show, the recent show, the last show that I went to, they played the song tweezer like five times. Um, and it was different all the time. I didn't know it was the same song five times. That's how many, that's how different it was for me. But like people next to me were bugging out that they kept playing this song. <laughs> they just kept and I'm playing like, what? And then I looked <laughs> it up afterwards and people had freaked out and they were like, I can't believe that happened. Blah, blah, blah. And it just felt like I didn't have the backstory. Like I missed the right. first five books in a series. And then I came in and I'm like, I don't know yeah. any of the characters. <laughs> I don't know the setting. What does this mean? Like who are they referring to? What's a tweezer? I don't know. <laughs> put it in the freezer. They kept saying, put the tweezer in the freezer. I, what does that mean? Yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of yeah. Susian things going on yes. that go either over my head or I just, I, I don't do enough drugs to, to figure it out. Right. I don't know. There, I mean, there is kind of, you know, you hear people say stuff like, you know, I never understood the grateful dead until I saw them live on mm-hmm. acid. So I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not about to like, no. I'm not going there. It's just not my thing. Just no. not my thing. Dig it. Uh, <laughs> June 3rd, 1968. Samantha Sprackling, um, the singer of Republica. And Mm. I always get confused just kind of with the names and which names belong to which band, but I always get Republica and Elastica confused because it's fair (laughs) enough. It's nodding his head in agreement, um, or understanding. I couldn't uh, tell you. Yeah. I don't know them well enough. So I'm like, if you told me one songs by one or the other, I'd be like, yeah, okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, because they're, they're both English, and that yeah. doesn't that doesn't help. No. They're both kind of po- were popular in the sort of the same, same time frame, timing, so that yeah. also doesn't help. Yeah. Um, dark haired female lead singer that also mm-hmm. doesn't help. Both for both of them. Um, so Republica is best known for Ready to Go. Right, and which is that's like a huge like it's an anthem. You know, you yeah, hear exactly. that at sports things or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Elastica is best known for connection. And I know all of these facts, but still in my head, the names Republica and Elastica get interchanged all the time. (laughs) Right. I feel like we talked about Elastica a while back and I was like, yeah, Yeah, not too long ago. I know this song. Like I, it's a hit, but I, and maybe I remember it, but the, but the Republica song is yeah, that it was, was huge. Like that was like mm-hmm. woven into the cultural. It is. Landscape. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's inescapable yeah. now. Yeah. I feel like it's like um, in a FIFA game or something like that, you know? Oh, I'm some, sure. Like I'm that. absolutely. It's definitely been in an EA sports game at some point. Exactly. A hundred percent. 
Uh, and then June 4th, 1954, Jamaican singer, producer Mikey Dredd, uh, considered one of the most influential um, reggae performers and innovators uh, of all time. June 4th, 1956, Reeves Gabriels, uh, American guitarist and uh, songwriter and producer. Um, he was uh, essentially David Bowie's guitar player uh, mm. through like the late 80s through 2000, like through a little bit of an awkward phase where he was kind of, I think that's when he was like touring with Nine Inch Nails and got a little bit more industrial, things like that. Got it. Um, and he, I didn't know this, but he's also, he's been a member of the cure since 2012. Oh, that's cool. Didn't know that. So, um, relatively influential guitar player. I remember, you know, reading about him in guitar world magazine as a budding guitar player in the, in the mid nineties. Um, 19, uh, June 5th, 1943, uh, American bass guitarist uh, Michael Davis from the MC5. Uh, June 5th, 1946, Freddie Stone, guitar player with Sly and the Family Stone. Nice. June 5th, 1956, Richard Butler, singer of the Psychedelic Furs. And last but not least, June 5th, 1979, Pete Wentz, bass player with the rock band Fallout Boy. Awesome. Um, so happy birthday we, to everybody. Yeah, and we lost um we lost one of the members of Yes, I think, right? Just recently, I think Alan White, who's the drummer, um he was he was one of the drummers for Yes. I think they had a few, but I think we just lost him. Really? I might have missed that cuz a week or two ago. Oh yeah. no, I missed that. Yeah, it just happened, yeah. Um Play yeah, a game. Like one of the yeah. Let's play a game. Let's Sorry, go ahead. If you had something else you wanted to. No, I was gonna there? say. I think there was. I think there was some one of the original members for Depeche Mode. There was a weird run. You know, how you have like those two or three yes. names in a row thing. Like the bad things always come in threes. But there was like a a weird run in the past week or two where it was like a bunch of classic rock. That's artists. right. That was yeah, just a few so days weird. ago, and I I, yeah. I for whatever reason that I neglected to put that into the no, news. So but yeah, so just, Andy it Fletcher. It just dawned on me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Andy it, Fletcher, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, he died at 60 um just a few days ago. Right. Um who um from what I understand was really the sound of Depeche Mode. Like it, mm. it wouldn't have sounded like Depeche Mode with without him. Like he was he was like the synth master of that band. So yeah. um yeah, rest in peace to Andy Fletcher. And I'm not haven't even Alan heard White, of the yeah. Alan White. Cause they yeah. just, they just lost their bass player. Not, not that was probably been, excuse me. It's probably been years now, but, um, yeah. Alan white. Uh, Oh, this was just yesterday. Yeah. I didn't even see this yet. Um, Crazy. performed with John Lennon. Yeah. 72 years old. So crazy. After a brief illness, uh, man, rest in peace. Uh, <clears throat> it's right. just gonna, like you said, man. It's just going to keep happening with greater and greater frequency. It sucks, yeah. but it's part of life. <laughs> My goodness. Um, uh, so I've got a list. Okay, cool. You have a list. Yes, I was really okay. hoping to have a theme going, but my theme mm-hmm. fell. I couldn't find enough content for my specific theme so <laughs> it's it didn't come together so mine's a little bit more random um but yeah why why don't you go ahead 
Okay. Um, so I I feel like I do have a theme. I feel like my list is probably going to be pretty easy, but okay, the theme is going to be out of your wheelhouse. So I'm hoping okay. that it throws you a little bit. So we'll see. Sounds um, good. And if this is your first time listening, our game is called What's in a Name? Uh, we're going to throw four names at each other, um, the birth names or legal names of artists that use a stage name or nickname. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, we will give hints and guesses as necessary and earn up to uh, 25 points per name, up to 100 points. Yep. Let's go. So the first name is Troyal or Troyal. I'm going to go Troyale, like Royale with cheese. Um, <laughs> Troyale Brooks. Troyale Brooks. Mm-hmm. Okay, so just off the cuff, there's not anything coming to the forefront of my mind. I'll so, say that I didn't give you the middle name on purpose. Okay. Okay. Which that doesn't might help. be crummy to do. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Um, so I definitely am going to need a hint right off the bat here because i've i've got nothing on this one all right well so the hint is that if you had the middle name you'd have the entire name like if i gave you the name you'd be like well i don't even need to guess it because you told me the name Mm -hmm. you know if you gave me Um, the middle name if i gave you the middle name okay so troyal brooks i don't see troyal doesn't like come in at all like it's not. I in assumed there. as such. <laughs> um, it like I said, it's a it's a genre of music that's probably. I don't think like we have talked much about it. It's not inherently in either of our wheelhouses. Um, I you know, you're in Texas, so I, not to be uh, presumptive, but uh, you probably are exposed to this kind of music more than I am. Although I live you know, uh, in a fairly rural suburban area of New York. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, there's a, there's a fair amount of this kind of music that is out in, in this area as well. Um, but most of it comes from the South. Um, dude, I've got absolutely nothing. <laughs> I'm he's drawing a total uh, blank. It's okay. uh, give me a he second is, hint. Yeah, he is. Uh, well, I feel like this is all still the first hint because I haven't really given you much. I'm kind of dancing around it. Um, one of the he's he's going to be on one of the lists ultimately of the greatest albums uh, sold of all time. Like he's massive, just one of the biggest uh, biggest artists. Uh, so like solo singer artists of all time. Um, where's a cowboy Troy hat? Brooks. So South wears a cowboy hat. Right. So between those two, mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm just gonna have to assume that we're talking about country music. Correct. So and with the last name Brooks, right? It, I can't imagine that you would give me Garth Brooks. It is Garth Brooks. It is Garth Brooks. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. There you go. So, go. so is the, is his middle name Garth? It is. Oh, yeah. okay. There we go. <laughs> and so, and so what I discovered. That's okay. We can do those. Yeah. Well, and so what I discovered in a lot of this is that a lot of country musicians 
pull their middle names for their gotcha. uh their stage names or like take a, a play on that or whatever. So where what is that first name? My goodness. I don't Troyal? Yeah. Troyal. It's gotta be a gotta be a family thing. Um so it, I'll let you choose if that's gonna be fifteen points or twenty points. No, I think that's you gave me points. you gave me a, a rapid fire micro hint. Yeah. Yeah, it was a couple little explosion there. Yeah. Um <laughs> I think I think that's twenty points. Um, so the next one, I'll give you the middle name. Um, oh, I get the is, middle name this time. You'll get the middle name okay. this time, and it is Audrey Faith Perry. I'm gonna just guess that we're sticking with country music, and with the whole middle name thing. That seems to be an overarching theme. I'm going to start off by guessing Faith Hill. There you go. That's ah, perfect. That's Audrey Perry is Faith Hill. I can put hints together. There you go. So you got this. <laughs> um, all right. The next one is uh, Samuel Timothy Smith. Samuel Timothy Smith. So Tim, Timmy, Tim, 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 Tim. I'm going to guess, prob- it's probably not, it'd be too easy, but I'm going to guess Tim McGraw. It's Tim McGraw. There oh, you go. Oh, man. Yeah, see? And they're Just married. Just follow right? the so middle name. That's right. I had no idea that they were married because there I don't follow country, modern country <laughs> right. music. But right. And cool. that's why I figured, throw in the country, if we're going to the country space, make it not too crazy. Although I'm going to break with that because this next one as far as I see it, has no connection to her stage name. So this one's the torpedo. Okay. Uh, Eileen Regina Edwards. I mean, there's like, there's just nothing to work with. I feel like I've heard that before. Okay. Is that Shania Twain? Oh my God. How did you just do that? I feel like, okay. Because I feel like in doing research for trying to come up with my own list, I've seen that relatively recently. Wow, dude. That's okay. amazing. I was like, this also, is the one. Also because she's Canadian, right? Isn't she Canadian? She is. And that just kind of strikes me as a very Canadian sounding name for some Eileen, reason. Eileen Regina Edwards. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But I, so I somehow I knew that from a recent like wow. deep dive into some Dude, stage. I names. was convinced okay. that one was going to wreck you. I That's just remembered amazing. that one. Yeah. Okay. So Great. my g- nice to know that my COVID brain seems to be gone. Yeah. So <laughs> I can string some things together. Yeah. Uh, okay, cool. That was a fun one. Thank you. Yeah. Um, okay. So I have a few names. Um, I won't say anything up. There is no theme here. Um, one of these we may possibly have done before because I haven't okay. been keeping very good records. So, so we'll see. Okay. We'll see. Yeah. Um, first one, hopefully, is easy mode. And the name is Austin Post. Uh, Austin Post. I'm going to say is Post Malone. It is Post Malone. Okay, cool. From what I, uh, or from what I know, um, got his stage name from an online um, Wu Tang Clan name generator. No, that's is it? That's the Childish Gambino story. Did he do? The that's Post what Malone I heard. That that's oh what I heard. Gosh. 
it may or may not be true, but that that's what I heard. <clears throat> I wonder how oh, many no. artists got their name wow. from it. <laughs> that's pretty cool. I don't remember what mine is, but I remember being disappointed with it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I just I recently I bring it up because I recently just did that in one of our discords. We were talking about it because we were talking about Childish Gambino, and I did mine, and it was like something Commander or something. It was pretty cool. Yeah. My mine, I don't remember what it was, but it was disappointing. <laughs> That's all yeah. I remember. Okay. Um, okay. So this one was one of the names when I was trying to put a theme together. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll just start with the name. It's Kenneth Bruce Gorlick or Gorelick. G O R E L I C K. Gorelick. I think I'm going to need a hint. It's not so, ringing any bells. So the name is basically there. Okay. And you could also tie in this musician. Oh, is it Kenny G? Yes, it is. Okay, cool. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Who plays? Yeah. The, the saxophone. saxophone. So yeah. I w- see, I was trying to tie in our uh, B-side theme from last oh. week and get like musicians that play, you know, instruments. I like that. Get an accordion uh, player. Yeah. Yeah. I try. I yeah, really tried. I yeah. couldn't get it to work. I couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> I could. Um, okay. So this one kind of also stemmed from that, but not quite in the same way. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, and this person is Michael Peter Balzari. B-A-L-Z-A-R-Y. Oh, I know this one. You probably do. Probably. Very well-known musician. I feel like I've looked this one up Who recently. also happens to play okay. an instrument that we talked about last episode. Very well, actually, too, surprisingly, like for his, what he's well-known for. So wait, so he's not known for this instrument, or he is? Primarily not. Primarily not. Okay. Michael Balsery. Well, it's not. I my my mind went to Fat Mike, but that's Mike Burkett. And the reason that I thought that it was being reaffirmed is because there's an accordion, but that's Eric Melvin in no effects, so it can't be him because Mike doesn't play that anyway. Mm-hmm. And I already did Fat Mike in a prior episode. You did Fat Mike, mm-hmm. right? Michael Peter Balsery. Michael Peter Balsery. Michael, who are you, Mike? Uh, I think I'm going to need a hint. So he has been in a number of other relatively well-known groups aside from his primary group and where he plays his primary instrument. Mm. Um, he has played his... I guess you would call it secondary instrument for lack of a better word. Um, in some, some pretty big groups with some pretty big artists. Really? Yes. Mm-hmm. Man. Has, I know you, you, we kind of joke about the fact that you're not much of a movie guy. 
but he's Is also he an actor. He's an actor. Oh my god! <laughs> so it not is not help. Jamie Fox. <laughs> uh, oh, I feel you're gonna kick yourself with this one. He plays in a bunch of other bands. He plays in a bunch of other bands. Really? Mm-hmm. And plays one of the instruments that we talked about last week very well. But it, but he, what he's best known for is a traditional rock instrument. Mike. And there's not, is there, I mean, Nothing. you feel like you would have said there was a hint in the name. There is not a hint of a hint in the name. Yeah, you're gonna have to notch me some more points. Uh, I don't know. I don't even can't even fathom a guess. I huh. So his name, his mm-hmm. his stage name is a single word. Okay. That helps. Um and he plays a normal rock and roll instrument, and then he plays a non quote unquote rock and roll instrument. Does he play that non rock and roll instrument in his normal band that you said that he plays in? No. Oh, okay. No, he plays. No. So there's a chance. So the single, uh, I want to give you a good enough second hint. Yeah. So it's his name. His stage name is a single word. Mm -hmm. And this single word name is a member of the animal kingdom. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, Thundercat. Thundercat. <laughs> I feel like I know Thundercat's name and it's not that, but maybe it is. I don't is, know. Is, is Thundercat, Thundercat a member of the animal kingdom? <laughs> well, I is guess, that yeah. an official guess? <laughs> Oh, that's a good call. There's no such thing as a Thundercat, or is there? Um, but I will say that Thundercat plays... Thundercat's primary instrument is the same primary instrument as uh, this fellow. Okay. All right. Well... I'm going to listen to some Thundercat later tonight. Yeah, he's awesome. He and his Pikachu backpack. Um, <laughs> he... Okay. Single word. Is it... Animal Kingdom. It, okay, is it is it Flea? Yes. Okay, it is Flea. What does Flea play? That's not bass. He is a very accomplished trumpet player. Shut up. I'm seeing. It's like Google, Google, Google. <laughs> what? Yes, he, he plays played, in other bands. Um, he played the trumpet in the trumpet. Oh my God! Look, there he is playing the trumpet. Jane's yes. Addiction. Mars Volta. Are you? Kidding yes, me with he this? played. If she played the trumpet in with the Mars Volta. I love the Mars Volta. Um, I'm trying to remember what else. I mean, he's been in a ton of groups or played with tons of other groups. I'm trying to definitively find what groups he's played trumpet with. Oh my gosh, this is crazy. Yeah, he's he's gone on record as saying that when he was young, he wanted to be Dizzy Gillespie. Wow. All right. 
Yeah, I mean, I had no idea he played the trumpet. That's so interesting. But there's lots of pictures of him playing the trumpet. So that's amazing. Yeah, when I think of him, I have seen him in movies, though, actually. Um, I saw him in, it's like a Charlie Sheen movie. It was him and Anthony Kiedis. It was on TV a bunch. It was like a car chase. The whole movie was one long car chase. Oh, oh, um, wait, are you talking about, oh, what was he in? I just saw him in that movie, but it's not, it's not Charlie Sheen, is it? He was in, this is not a movie podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I promise. It was called The Chase. He's in yeah. that movie? He is, he is in, he, like, Charlie Sheen is being pursued by cops and it's this big, like, thing the whole movie is one big car chase and, and then he's like in it flea and anthony kiedis like see him on tv and they're oh. like hey that's in our neighborhood and they like get in this like <laughs> old bronco and chase after him that's uh, so funny yeah. because the it's movie that i was thinking of that he is in is baby driver which is a car chase movie <laughs> oh um oh and i also always forget that he's in back to the future too <laughs> Who was he in Back to the Future 2? I think he was just some punk. Um, oh, man. Now I'm going to like have to look all this up. This is a movie podcast. Oh, yeah, you're right. That's right. I'm looking at a picture of him now. He's in Back yeah, to the Future He's too. in Back to the Future 2. <laughs> so weird. So weird. <laughs> wow. The dude does everything. Um, him, I'm looking at an article. I didn't even know this, but apparently... There was a concert that Nirvana and Red Hot Chili Peppers played this, you know, the same uh, whatever it was um, festival or, or just concert. Uh, mm-hmm. This took place in Brazil in 93. But uh, Flea came out and played trumpet with Nirvana for a special rendition of Smells what? Like Teen Spirits. <laughs> That's insane. Also, how do you play trumpet with Nirvana? I don't know, but. Wow. Wait, no. I still have one. You still, you still got more one name. more. One more. Oh my gosh! All right. All right. Go. <laughs> go ahead. The the last one here is, and I've, I was thinking this is hard mode. So, but we'll see. You might just know yeah. it off the cuff. Boy, Henry John Duichendorf. So, you know I this, do don't know, you? Yeah, <laughs> I do know this one because I have. If you look at my list that I wrote out for tonight. I had five names. Oh, really? And this is the one I left no off. No way. It's John Denver. Yes, it is John Denver. Holy I, moly. How crazy would it have been if I had thrown that in there and you're like, oh, man, you took my you took That my would name. have been our first yeah. Yeah. double, you know, yeah. double booking. <laughs> it's legitimately in my phone note. That's awesome. Like, yeah, yeah. And I haven't gotten into the habit of picking an alternate just in case. Oh, boy. I just yeah. figured if it ever happened, I would just frantically Google really quick. Yeah, you would have just gotten Shania Twain. You would have been Shania like, Dolly Twain. Parton, is that her real name? It is her real name. That's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. So I I lost track. I wasn't keeping. So you. Um, I think it was pretty close. I feel like we could probably call it a tie. Got, so let's see. You got Post Malone. That's 25 points. You got Kenny G. I got Kenny G after the first hint. Okay, I got so that's 45. The, I got Flea. I went pretty deep on Flea. So probably 15. Yeah. So but I feel and I feel like you I feel like you probably 85? took it. 
Yeah, I feel like you probably took it because you cruised. You you got hung up on Garth a bit, and then you cruised through everything else. So I feel like it was like a fifteen, and then you gave it away with that middle name thing, and then I just happened to remember the Shania Twain. I was sure Shania was going to wreck you. (laughs) I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna tee him up with these these easy ones because we're in a different space, and then wreck you. It went way back somewhere because it wasn't even that long ago. Like it was either something i was looking at for for 2022 or 23 okay um but oh well that's fun so yeah i took it this time nice thank you shania twain you you got me there you got me over the finish yeah (laughs) thanks eileen um but yeah we're gonna take a quick break and come back and celebrate our 25th episode by um, talking about some of our favorite 25 million selling albums. And uh, I've got a few to talk about. Um, Liam's got, got some to talk about. We haven't discussed this yet uh, as far as what we're going to touch on. So we might mm-hmm. might have some crossover. Well, it'll be yeah. interesting to see what we've got. Cool. All right. We'll see you when we come back. Welcome back to side B of our 25th episode of Retro Groove. Um, we're going to celebrate our 25th episode, uh, which is, uh, again, it's a pretty big milestone. And we're going to look at 25 million plus selling albums um, that, you know, mean something to us. And uh, we're going to touch on those. We might touch on, you know, some other just massive heavy hitters. Um, but, uh, we're, we're, we're looking at these, uh, in the context of milestones within the music industry and, you know, what, what they, in, in the overarching theme of what we try to do on this podcast is, you know, how these albums have affected us personally. So, mm-hmm. um, I know I've got a few that I want to talk about. Um, you, Liam, you look like you had yeah. one in particular that was, Extra yeah, I meaningful. Mean, as I scan through this list, I mean, there's a lot of stuff on here that you would expect to be on here. I'm going right. to start it off by saying that greatest hits albums, kind of cheating, right? Yes. Like, the, like one of the greatest selling releases of all time is the Eagles' greatest hits. Right. Um, and love them or not, they had a great run of hits um, and kind of bridged that folk rock country space really well so that internationally they're they do just as well as they do throughout america mm-hmm. um but like it's a greatest hits album you know right so, kind of yeah same thing fair. as much as i love queen mm-hmm. it that 
greatest hits album being yeah. a 25 million plus seller it's like yeah. okay but it's a greatest hits album you know what yeah I mean? yeah. Come on. <laughs> yeah we're talking like if for for the sake of what we're doing here it's really about like what albums have just resonated as a as a whole uh, or as a standing piece of work that everybody just collectively tapped right. in on right um and uh and the same thing for uh anything that's a double album i don't know if if you knew, knew this but like when um they scan a, a double album which i think one of the led zeppelin albums is a double album is it four it might be the four it might be four um it's technically scans as two sales two albums really yeah, so there's like there's a Guns N' Roses album on here. That I think it's Appetite um, that technically scans as, as a double sale, so it's a little oh, misleading. Yeah, so there's a couple of those. Know that, that. that I, yeah, there's a couple of on here that I shaved off of of my like collective look across it. Um, I mean, obviously, Thriller is Thriller, right? Um, one of the greatest albums of all time, and no one's ever topping that internationally 60 plus million yeah that's copies sold for a single and album. continues to sell and and i think a lot of these are going to be ones that was you still find at urban outfitters or barnes and noble right that people they reissued it again um and people still pick it up um but there's a couple cool ones on here i mean jagged little pill alanis morissette 33 million is that's fantastic wow. you know mm-hmm. um shania twain we talked about uh eileen 40 million <laughs> for come on over um but it is weird it's like you've got a, a an odd smattering at the top and we're gonna hone in more in that 25 spot because right. we're celebrating our own milestone but it is crazy to look like thriller number one and then ACDC's Back in Black, which is the first album with Brian Johnston, so it's not even the, the original like, Highway Highway to Hell, like Bon Scott era of ACDC, right. but it was like I guess ultimately their main commercial breakthrough of that sound. Um, I mean, I own Back uh, Back in Black, and it's fantastic, so mm-hmm. I can't be mad at that. It's just. It's odd that it's that album. Um, it's probably guess, where they broke through internationally, right? I, it probably is, yeah. That's, that's to my memory, um, what happened there. But so, and not to double back on this, but you're yeah. telling me that, so when, when I'm looking at this and I'm seeing that the White Album sold 24 million copies, mm-hmm. you're saying they really only sold 12 million copies of that? Well, is that technically, just because it was pressed on to discs doesn't mean it's not it has to be a double album right oh, it has to okay. be yeah 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 so it's not anything that had two discs it ha- it's something that stood alone as two separate albums um, okay so there's certain things that uh that were sold as such Okay. Um, so no. So that 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 one would. Okay. Be, thank you for clarifying that because that yeah, <laughs> that it, was I was like, hold on. No, it's okay. it'll stand on its own. Um, and then yeah, you get soundtracks on here. I mean, which again makes sense. The movie becomes massive. The music is synonymous for it. So you see the Grease soundtrack, Saturday Night Fever, The Bodyguard. Yeah. Like these uh, these soundtracks that just were intrinsically connected with how big those movies were. Exactly. Um, and then and then meatloaf you know like but it's it, so again it's like 
it's not the same people buying all of these, or maybe it is. Maybe there's somebody who likes Meatloaf, ACDC, the Eagles, and Michael Jackson. I got maybe. I guess I guess Could I be. like them all. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but anyway, so as I scan through here, the album in the sort of 25 at this one is she's she's up around 26 now. Um, that I uh that i landed on as i looked through these names that stuck with me is uh nora jones's initial kind of breakout uh album come away with me mm-hmm. um i don't i don't know if you have any history with this album it, it or if you remember yeah and don't oh, know definitely. why hit mm-hmm. it's huge don't, don't know why was such a weird thing in an mtv generation um why that gelled like i don't know what it was that everybody just collectively i mean it was her voice and her writing and the sound like you want to just say it's really good written jazzy pop music but i feel like it at the time when i'm thinking back it mm -hmm. sort of just felt like a breath of fresh air yeah you know it was like That was what, like 90? No, it's 2002. Oh, okay. So, okay. so I'm going to say like you're right after 9-11. Like maybe that's part of it is it's like we needed to breathe something. I don't know. That, like there, that puts a completely different um, perspective on it, but that does make sense. <clears throat> I was more talking a breath of fresh air, like musically speaking. And yeah. for some reason in my head, it was like 98, 99 that that came out. And I was like, we're kind of trying to get away from like all the in your like grunge and then new metal and boy bands mm-hmm. and and bubblegum pop and i'm just like everything being shoved in your face and this is just like i can just like walk outside of the the mtv loudness and just like sit on the porch with a glass of lemonade and watch the sunset with Nora Jones. You know what well, I mean? We're all okay with that. Yeah, that exactly. Yeah. Um, but I think you're right. I think, I mean, the boy band thing, Backstreet and NSYNC had petered off like 2000, 2001. It like had hit its stride. And I think maybe we were all looking for something different or it was just the right thing that hit at the right time. Um, but you have this like amazing woman who idolizes um, Billie Holiday, you know, mm-hmm. and um, just comes with this sound that, again, like Esperanza Spalding or anybody else, like there's so many other artists that do jazz pop in a smart way. But there was something about her voice. There was something about kind of her mystique. I remember the music video. Um, but I also remember watching it and thinking like, is this, you know, what we went through with cherry pop and daddies and whatever, where it's just like this, like (laughs) side thing of like, okay, we're going to have a couple (laughs) little jazzy things come up and then we're right back into the, Oh God, whatever. And you know, like these little bubbles. Um, and, uh, and then she goes and she wins, um, album of the year mm-hmm. and record of the year and best new artist like like yeah i, I think like it was quite the, a sweep the, yeah and at the time i think she either tied or bested like the like, woman who won the most grammys in a single event or something like that it was it was such a big 
moment that made it feel um, uh, so much more than Mm -hmm. I originally Mm -hmm. thought that it was. And then I remember, so anecdotally, um, going to college, like Mm -hmm. I had graduated um, in that, that year and went to college and got a turntable you know or my rather my roommate had a turntable mm-hmm. so there was a, suddenly a turntable in my life and um and i've told the story before he played the white album um he i'd never heard piggies before it bugged me <laughs> out i <laughs> piggies is a weird ass song um and so i went digging around at the Virgin Megastore and Tower Records for stuff that like I could put on there. My roommate was a jazz major. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was like, I am mid college now. Like I need to be more highbrow and cool. And if I'm going to borrow his turntable, it better be kind of legit. And I remember pulling this record right here. You can't see it. Oh, it's the very one. I'm holding it up. Nice. Pull, pulling out this, pulling this record from the stacks. Um, and I would fall asleep and nothing against it, but I, we would put it on and just chill and pass out yeah. to this album. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was working in a restaurant to make money during college and uh, like Lone Star. And uh, I mean, there's a bunch of songs on this that were like in the playlist of the restaurant and it was mm-hmm. so perfect. Um, not to go back to like Dan's Carol King fabric store thing. Cause I don't want to <laughs> m- make light of Nora's sound, but it's perfect for a restaurant. I mean, like who doesn't want to eat some pasta right. and listen to like, come away with me, you know, um, glass of red wine. Why not? Yeah, of course. So good. Yeah. So good. So, um, so yeah, this is one of those albums where, when I listen to it now, it takes me back. It oh, chills completely. me out. It makes me so relaxed and happy. Um, I love Billie Holiday. I didn't know Billie Holiday until college, until my roommate had her records. And mm-hmm. so it is interesting. Like He was introducing me to Billie, and we were listening to Nora, who was influenced by Billie, um, and there was just, it, it was just things aligned in a certain way there. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I grew to appreciate one through the other unknowingly. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so great. I mean, so she has sold 27 million copies. I mean, Man. she sold 50 million albums in, uh, in her lifetime so far mm-hmm. so which means half of her sales are off of this one wow. album um but has put out a ton of other great albums i mean yeah. she did uh she's got all these side projects she did puss in boots uh which is her and two other ladies doing country songs um she also had little willies which is like an alt country cover band oh interesting um she, dude, she's got this album. Um, I gotta look it up now. It's, it's a, fe- she put out this thing. She was featuring in so many things because she was like, she was it. Yeah, everyone and, and wanted still, to work and still with is. her. Mm-hmm, she mm-hmm. was it, man. And like in so many weird pockets where she was on like a Ryan Adams album and a Bell and Sebastian album and yeah. then on Speaker Box and The Love Below, like an Outcast <laughs> album. She was on Q Tip's album, you know? Oh, really? Like, <laughs> she, she like popped up everywhere she was the one where it's just like let's get her right i feel like 
John Batiste has had that a little bit lately too. Like there's these people who is just like undeniable talent and I want you mm-hmm. on my record because it gives a new texture point. Like there's something yeah. different that I can do with my sound. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, in like 2010, she released this compilation and it's just all the things she featured on. It was like 20 different Whoa. songs across all, all cool. genres. Yeah. It's a really, really cool album. Um, but it's like, yeah, her with Herbie Hancock, her with Talib Kweli, her with the Foo Fighters, like that's she, crazy. Willie Nelson, like she did. She's worked with everybody. So um, just again, looking at this, like Nora Jones is a badass and uh, and is so cool, continues to put out really great uh, music today. Mm-hmm. And this album is like such an important uh like body of work from that time that encapsulated whatever was going on in my life was going on in everybody else's life yeah. um and uh i'm i'm just glad it exists it's like it's a really cool thing that i still go back to to this day mm-hmm. awesome man thank um, you for sharing i, just, I yeah. feel like i learned so much just like in these last five ten minutes um awesome so <clears throat> now let's talk about Backstreet Boys Millennium. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, what do you want to talk about? Well, I will see. So I was going to take that because you'd already mentioned the fabric store music. So I was going to use that to segue into Carol King. Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's we talked about Carol um, when she was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame last right. year. And, you know, we, we've talked a lot about just how iconic and influential this album was. It's still to this day, an album that I go back to and am just floored. It's almost like it's, it's so good. And then you kind of go about your life and you kind of forget. And then when you come back to it, you're floored all over again. And there's not a whole lot of albums that, do that for me but this is definitely one of them where if you know i'll go what at months without listening to it and then i come back and i'm just like oh this is one this is literally one of the greatest songwriters of all time and i almost feel like her i was actually honestly kind of surprised that um it it's only sitting at 25 million because I feel like with Nora Jones, nine twenty seven million is is absolutely you know deserved. Right. But for Carol, for for this album to come out in the seventies and be as influential as it was and still is, for it to be only be sitting at twenty five million, I feel like it should be higher up on the list. But so there's a weird there's a weird bubble effect that is happening on these in these uh in this data that mm-hmm. has to kind of be factored in I think a little bit like when you think about how accessible music is or was over the years right mm-hmm. um if you are talking back when this album came out which was 71 72 mm-hmm. um like people were buying vinyl but you weren't buying a ton of vinyl um right 
I think a lot of people then exchanged this. I think this is an album that you can find used for uh, maybe 10 or 15 bucks still. Um, but it's not, uh, like it's not it's in it's not in that reissue cycle that you just see all the time on all the shelves constantly, and it also never got to my knowledge that CD bubble man like CD sales in the nineties into the early two thousands mm-hmm. is the reason why Eminem's Marshall Mathers and Eminem show is so high up here. Nothing against Eminem, it's the reason why Backstreet Boys are so high on this list. Like. People had consumable income mm-hmm. and CD costs, again, for us as kids, it was like cheaper. 13, 14 bucks or whatever. Yep. But like you were paying more than that in vinyl 30 years before that. So now at this point, CD sales were like yeah. a lot easier. People yeah, were Yeah, you, you could buy, buy two Walmart, and a half you know? CDs yeah. for the price of one LP. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you weren't buying records at Walmart back in the day. You didn't right. have a Target. You you know, you there was you had to go store. to a record store. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so uh or the Columbia Records Club or whatever, but yeah. like <laughs> you like it was such a thing when we were growing up that music was so easily purchasable and consumable and I don't think Carol King had a moment in that era. I feel like her time mm-hmm. she's it's come back around recently with the success of the Broadway musical and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame right. induction and and people pointing to her as that influential artist, but I don't think sales-wise it it registered in the way that some of these other artists do. So when we look at this data, it's a little skewed towards artists who were selling a product at a certain time. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. And I wonder also if it comes down to, you know, whoever owns the music or owned it at that time, Mm -hmm. making the decision for one reason or another, not to push a CD reissue or a remaster of some kind. Um, so I, I can see that playing a major factor, um, in the overall, lifetime album sales because yeah. you know you don't you don't see a ton of carol king cds Mm-mm. around you know, just it's just not something that uh i remember being because when when cds came out there was a lot of remasters and you know oh digital remaster of this classic album let's there, resell there was, it the, yeah, yeah exactly just double dipping and um i don't really I, like my parents had the Carol King, uh, two of her albums on vinyl. Mm-hmm. And I remember when CDs got a lot more accessible and you could buy a portable CD player relatively cheaply. You know, we had one, we had a CD boombox in the kitchen and then one in the living room. It was like they, when it became easily accessible, my parents had a bunch of the CDs of albums that they already had, like in the basement at this point, you know what I mean? Right. And Carol right. King was not one of them. Right. So it must not have been that kind of thing that ended up getting either wasn't like remastered and, 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 uh, made a big, had a big push behind it or it came too late or, or I don't know, but, but those are, those are some good points and definitely something to keep in mind here. Um, and you're right because yeah. like even even looking at 
like Adele, like 25. Mm-hmm. That album came out in 2015, right? Yeah. 23 million albums sold. Yeah. And we're I, like, there is a way that they count a certain number of streams. If it, if a album gets streamed That's another a hundred times, mm-hmm. then it technically counts as a sale, you know, like there's, but there's a, there's a correlation there or there's a metric there. Um, but I, again, like, I don't, I don't know how that actually factors into usage, you know, like, mm-hmm. I, like, so I, I, it is very impressive to see, uh, Carol on here. Cause when you look at a lot of these top line artists, their eighties and nineties releases, um, that a lot of them probably are, yeah. benefited from an eighties initial release on vinyl and even cassette after that. And then a yep. reissue like 10 to 15 years later on CD. Um, Carol's one of the only ones on here that I'm seeing through, through this. I mean, like everything else, it's crazy how high brothers in arms by dire straits are, man, that's 30 million sales for the dire straits. Yeah. Uh, that's, like I, Australia just loves that band. 1.2 million <laughs> sold in Australia alone. That's so weird, man. Um, that's because yeah, no, they're. I, I mean, because Australia is is not as populous as people think it is. Yeah, um, dude. 1.1 million sold in Canada for that album too, man. Wow, I, man. Dire Straits. Dire Straits are amazing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So kind of in that same vein, we have an album that was very um, influential for me growing up, made a big impression on me early on. I still remember the moment I heard it for the first time and turned me into a lifelong rock and roll fan. But um, talking about Boston. Yeah. The self-titled album by Boston came out in 1976. My dad had the record, um, which I heard around the house here and there. But something clicked when I had I had a little um, R two D two shaped um, tape uh, portable tape player. Oh man! It's like a Walkman, but it was just like it was just shaped like a kind of a more rectangular version of R two D two. And I would take that in the car when we you know had any kind of um, road trip any, any, anything closer or further away than just, you know, going to, you know, the adjacent town for one reason or another. And, um, one day I, I, I was kind of bored with whatever I had lying around and I grabbed one of my dad's tapes and it was Boston and something about having it like in headphones mm-hmm. and that just searing, saw blade guitar coming in was like just blew my nine or 10 year old mind. Yeah. And, uh, like I said, I was a rock and roll fan ever since. So that's obviously a huge record, uh, 25 million albums sold. And I, uh, it's kind of obvious to see why that was, that was, um, sort of a, not, not necessarily a unique, uh, take necessarily, but they just kind of had a, they had somewhat of a unique sound. And it, yeah. I think it came out at a time where it was, a, it was just a little bit edgy enough 
but still very just kind of safe sounding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that, it was that very it, popular prog music. Yes. Like it, it, it's it's prog for dummies, really. It's like you could like, but it's it's so intricate and and smart and it's just it's easily listenable, but there's so many layers to it that yeah. you could fall into if you want to. And catchy too. Yeah. So um, but yeah, like you know, overall safe. And so I think that um whether it was intentional or it just happened to be what it was, um, that appealed to such a wide array of people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the songs, a lot of the songs are absolutely iconic to this day. You know, you'll hear them in, in, in movies and, um, you know, it gives them a fresh voice kind of, but, uh, but yeah, I still love, I'll still go back and put on the first Boston album. I have two or three others, but like, I don't really typically go back and listen to those. Mm -hmm. Um, like someone could pull the other Boston albums out of my collection and I probably wouldn't even notice ever. That's just that first one. Um, that's the only one I really listened to. That's that's the only one I have an attachment to. They had a weird run because there was like a space between, and I don't think, I think there was a second one that came out pretty quickly after it, but then it wasn't, you had some of these bands that just got prolific around that time, right? We're putting things out every year, every other year or whatever. And Boston, it wasn't like that. The cadence fell off. I remember something reading about this a while back where it was just like there, it took like seven, six or seven years or something like that between albums. And when you, that happens, like, Things change. People do side projects. Yep. Tastes change. Momentum changes. Um, and so what was big in the mid 70s now, once you're talking about the late 80s, things change yeah, so quickly. Yeah. Yeah. They, they never seemed to. Um, they didn't do the ZZ Top thing. They didn't Mm-mm. they didn't make the transition as, right. as accessible and popular as they were. They never quite made the, the transition into you know, what things started to sound like as pop music in going into the mid eighties. Um, so it's, it's a really important and impactful album for me just as a music fan and as a musician. Um, but it, it, you could sort of call it a flash in the pan in the grand scheme of things. Um, but 25 million albums well-deserved, at least in my opinion, and uh, yeah. I mean, I guess technically, in the opinion, in, in the opinion of twenty five million people. other people, so there, there, there it is. Yeah, it's a lot of prog on this list too, and mainly by Pink Floyd, um, which we shouldn't wrap before talking about a little bit. Like, no, we can go. There's there. a lot of Pink Floyd albums on this list, um, which for a band that had radio play i mean like i i'm not saying that this band didn't get the support in radio they have staples that yeah live forever but they're not necessarily a radio band um i mean dark side of the moon has tra- has cuts on it. i think it there's 10 tracks on it and maybe six or seven of them are like proper song songs i mean some of them are like seven and it's right. long um but then there's like weird interlude things and vocal stuff like it's not just straight ahead like like th- you look at thriller or bad where it's just stacked dude right like that is a stacked album the meatloaf album it's not a pop stacked. album 
No, it's an experiential not a pop album. Group. Exactly. All of them are experiential things. And so I look at Which is why lineup. you only ever really hear Wish You Were Here or Money on the radio. <laughs> those right, are, those right, are the right, more right, radio right. friendly ones. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot. I mean, I think there's three Pink Floyd albums in this like top like 25 and up yes. uh, realm. Like, that's crazy. It's pretty um, wild to think yeah. that that having such um, cerebral, for lack of a better word, um, experiential, like you said, concept mm-hmm. albums, you wouldn't expect them to be this popular. Like the, the era, sure, you know, plenty of concept albums. Uh, prog rock was very popular. Um, psychedelic influences everywhere. But yeah, it, it, it's, it's, you would expect it to be popular, but, but, you know, 23 million albums here, 24 million albums there. It's like, it, mm-hmm. it's mind boggling how yeah. many albums they've sold total. It's nuts. Yeah. They don't feel, I, I, when we were talking about Queen before, right. And, and their greatest hits. Um, and when you look at the collection of, of, the queen. I mean, I think there's a two part thing. This greatest hits one and two. There's so many of them, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but those are spread out across a dozen plus albums. I would say that there's probably like 15 or 16 queen albums and each one has one or two massive hits on right. it. Um, whereas Pink Floyd, I mean, they've got, I think there's seven albums or something like that, seven or eight albums, but like, I, it's it's you don't have that cadence there right each one is its own experience and so for that to have resonated in a way that boosted each of these releases to have millions and millions sold and then you look at queen and their greatest hits sold a ton but mm-hmm. each individual album is only a couple million you know it's like right they, they, exactly. don't, they don't have a single album that's over like i think five or six million or something like that um so that's kind of crazy to me. It's like it it speaks to what Pink Floyd was able to kind of tap into that wasn't pop music. It was a vibe. Yes. Maybe maybe it's just that much stoner drug use across. The <laughs> but like, and how many times can you repackage Dark Side of the Moon? True. Um, True. But it's a great album. Like I, I put it on the other day just cause I was kind of like thinking about this list and I was like, yeah, this is still really good. You know, yeah. Like, and looking at it, I, I was, for some reason in my mind, I was thinking it was 23 million for the wall, but it's actually 33 million for the crazy. wall. Yeah. And like, I mean, obviously dark side of the moon is one of the greatest albums of all time. Mm-hmm. 50 million albums is absolutely nothing to, to, to sneeze at. Um, I still would probably put on Wish You Were Here before any of the others. I and I love yeah. these albums. I'm a huge fan of Dark Side of the Moon. That's the mm-hmm. Pink Floyd album that I heard before anything else. Um, but Wish You Were Here just hits different for me for some reason, and that's the one at the 25 million mark. Um, yeah. I, and I, I couldn't even really put my finger on uh, what it is. So since we're talking about it, have you done? The it's such such a dumb cliche thing to talk about at this point. But have you have you done the Wizard of Oz thing where you sync up? This is not a movie podcast. <laughs> it it is not a movie podcast. Today it is. But um, yeah, 
No, I have not. Haven't. Um, I don't know what it does. It doesn't like, do much. It? Okay. Um, I have done it a couple of times. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some interesting moments where it's like, oh, that's kind of cool that that is sort- it intentional though, or is it just something that like people figured out? I feel like, like if it was intentional, it would have been more of an experience. Mm-hmm. Like there would have been more there than just like 10 minutes go by and like, Oh, that happens to line up kind of, you know what I mean? So I feel like if they, if it was intentional, it would have been a lot, it would have felt a lot more, um, of an ongoing experience kind of thing. But I don't know, somebody at some point that was, you know, on some psychedelic something, substance of some kind see i feel like got the idea and just went with it (laughs) when i heard about it i seemed to remember like there was a a thing that uh one of the band members had said which was just like this is ridiculous yeah yeah. there was something about it where it was just like no this is nothing no um and and so when I went into my experience with this, I was never, I never did it a, because I don't own the wizard of Oz on any kind of <laughs> medium. Um, and, and B, cause I was just like, well, if the artist didn't intend this, then this is really right. just like some weirdo was like, wouldn't it be crazy if, <laughs> but this if was before the, the internet thing, where you couldn't verify these things with Google. Right. You just yeah. had to just, trust some schmuck on the playground yeah exactly he's like yeah. is 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 billy in in my spanish class telling the truth yeah. like you, yeah. you had to just believe it until proven otherwise right um, right, right right but yeah. and it's funny too because you know they're associated with that kind of uh drug culture to a certain extent but you know they're they're on record as saying like we don't do drugs like how could mm-hmm. we we couldn't play our instruments like <laughs> you know what yeah. i mean so yeah. who knows it's it's yeah. it it is sometimes sad to me that 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 ends up being so ingrained in the music mm. culture because um, it's not my scene and I'm not judging anybody that that is their scene but you know it just enjoy the mu- the music is a trip enough trust me like yeah. <laughs> it's like you can sit in a dark room uh, with a vinyl copy and you know, go on a psychedelic adventure without any kind of substances. Trust me. I also Um, feel like I've definitely done the thing before. I can't think of a specific instance, but like I'm cleaning up around the house. I've left the TV on for whatever reason, but it's muted and I have music playing and I'll look, I'll watch something on TV and it'll sync up in a weird way with like a bounty paper towel ad. And I'm like, whoa, (laughs) But it's just stupid. Like your brain just, just happens things yeah, together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, your brain right. looks for patterns, right? Your brain right. wants to find patterns. Exactly. So oftentimes it'll find it when it's not there. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I'll be listening to a song in the car and I'll notice like, whoa, the turning signal of that car over there is exactly syncing up with the beat. And I'll watch it and I'll see if it keeps going and sometimes it falls out of sync, but sometimes you're sitting there for a full minute, minute and a half. And that turn signal is just 
absolutely lined up with the BPM of the song that you're listening to. And it's crazy when it happens and it feels mm. almost like, is this a sign? <laughs> like, wait, yeah. am I, am I supposed to go that way and follow that vehicle? Like what is going yeah. on here? Yeah. So could be anything. Who knows? Well, you should go listen to dark side of the moon regardless. It's a great album. Yeah. I don't know who hasn't at this point, but yeah, that's true. Yeah. If you haven't, for some reason, highly yeah, recommend it. Go get weird. Yeah. But listen to the whole thing. That's the thing. You can't yeah. just flip around with an album like that. Yeah. If you just go to time and you just get a bunch of clocks screaming in your face, you're going to be like, what's even happening here? I don't know. What is this? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you'll probably get that either way. <laughs> yeah. But at but, least you get like softened into it a yeah. little bit. Like this, you've already, <laughs> you've already been warmed bit. up and then suddenly it hits you. Yeah. But that, that, I think that's one of the reasons why I love Pink Floyd so much is because I personally just love the entire album as mm. an experience, as a complete artist's vision. And they just nailed that. And it's like, is this a song? Is this is this just like a segue piece? You know, th- this track sounds like all one song, but it's five different parts and they all mm-hmm. roughly sound the same, but they all flow into each other. It's just a different kind of experience than like three minute song, dead air, three minute song, dead air, three mm-hmm. minute song. It's yeah. just a completely different experience. And, and I personally love it. Um, so highly recommend it either for a night drive or, you know, sitting in a dark room by yourself or a trusted friend and to have a trip, take a trip. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I feel like, uh, congrats to all of these artists for their amazing milestones yes. and congratulations to us for a 25 episode 25. milestone. As well. Yeah. It's pretty great. Awesome. Um, yeah, man. Is there anything else that you wanted to touch on? I feel like we we hit all the big ones on here. I mean, there's tons of albums on this list, but yeah, we we'll could go on forever. But I know I, I looking at the milestone albums here. I know that I hit the ones that I that really yeah. resonate with me and that I wanted to talk about. Yeah. Um, as far as our 25th episode goes, um, you know, I will say we're we're you know me and Liam have talked about this. So we're, I'm not surprising anybody. Uh, I'm not surprising Liam with this, but <clears throat> we're, the show is going to take a little break, uh, a short hiatus uh, for the summer, maybe not the whole summer, um, but we just want to, number one, make sure that we are doing something with a purpose mm-hmm. and doing something that's going to remain fresh. And sometimes that requires taking a little bit of a step back creatively, looking at the big picture and really trying to hone in on what it is that we want to do. Yeah. And there's probably some things that we're going to cut out, maybe some things that we'll add. Um, But I do know that for for a variety of reasons, um, kids being out for the summer for one of them, lots of traveling on the horizon, Mm -hmm. Um, still not being a hundred percent after my second bout with COVID here. Yeah. Um, as you can hear, um, it's just time for a little bit of a break. Um, I'm, I'm, I have mixed feelings about it, but I do feel like it's 
probably necessary for us at this point. Um, but as far as our listeners are concerned, again, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, we appreciate you so much and I hope that you stick with us through the break. And, um, I think that it's going to be for the best. I think it's going to be a good time of rest reflection and hopefully revitalization and a realization of, uh, what we really want to do. Uh, with the podcast, which is, you know, focus on the, not only the albums and artists that stand the test of time, but the ones that really resonate uh, with us and hopefully resonate with you as a listener. So mm-hmm. um, that's, that's where I'm at with it. Liam, anything that you want to say? No, it's all good by me, man. I'm, I'm excited that we get to do this. Yeah. And I, I know that I got to get back to some live shows. Like I still, yeah. <laughs> still got that Weird Al concert coming up in October. But if I can find something that is really going to be a the summer, an yeah. event, uh, yeah, summer is the well. It depends. Summer, yeah, it's a little hot. <laughs> summer in Texas to go to an outdoor yeah, venue with you know a few thousand other hot, sweaty bodies is probably not what I would like to do. you know, turning 40 this summer. So, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a good summer and I hope it is for you as well. And, uh, thank you, Liam, for coming on this adventure, Mm -hmm. uh, with me and, and sticking it out when, you know, sometimes we didn't know what the next episode was going to look like, or sometimes we had too many ideas and we had to hone it down. Um, but, uh, you're an awesome partner in crime and I appreciate you and everything that, that you do for the podcast. Um, and thank you listener for listening to the show. Uh, we are part of the Retrologic network. Uh, you can find us on discord on the Retrologic server. And you can chat with us on Twitter at RetroGroove underscore pod. Thanks for listening. And we will see you uh, hopefully later this summer or early fall. Adios. Adios.